So, tis the season is our preaching series for December, and we're going through these different things because we all know the song, right? Tis the season to be jolly. So last week we changed it up a little bit. We're like, hey, well, what, is, what does it mean? Maybe what are these other things that really tis the season to be? And so last week we talked about tis the season to be hungry. And we kind of turn that around because a lot of times we talk about food at Christmas. We actually talk about being spiritually hungry this Christmas season. Now today, if I can get my water bottle open, there we go. A little bit on the floor, that's okay. Today we're, we're switching it up a little bit. And today we're looking at tis the season to be broke. Oh my gosh. Isn't it? <laughs> Christmas is expensive. Yes. Every time we go to Target, it's like, wait, wait, what? Uh -huh. No, why? Advent, we talk about Advent all, through, all throughout this year, we talk about Advent. Uh, Advent is a season of expectation. Well, at Christmas and Advent, it seems like what I expect is to get out my debit card and have to buy things. And every year, it seems like somehow Christmas catches us by surprise. We're like, hey, by the way, oh, it's Christmas time. I had to spend all this money. I didn't know that was coming. Except it's the same day every year. And somehow it still catches us off guard. But here's some good news. Some of y'all are like, oh no, he's going to talk about money. Oh, why? Why, Jesus? Or not. Tis a season to be broke. But... I would challenge you that really it's something else. That we're broke this Christmas season, and it's true. But really, most of us are broke in very different ways than money. <laughs> the truth is that some of us are broke with money, right? Okay. But many of us, when we go into Christmas, we go into Advent, we're actually, what we're really is we're broke emotionally. Christmas is a hard season. Maybe you've had a bad year. Maybe you've had a bad couple of years. And you're dealing with, with loss or grief or pain emotionally from things that have happened this year. And going into Advent, going into Christmas, which is a very family kind of centered season, it's hard because of whatever that pain is that you face this year. Is the season to be broke. And we face that reality of Christmas. Sometimes it is the season to be broke. And the pain is that maybe this year something's happened when you're broke physically. And, you know, maybe this year you had some kind of really bad health issue that you're, you're coping with and you're trying to manage. Maybe you're dealing with something that's like a constant physical pain. You're trying to handle that with everything else that's happening at Christmas. Maybe your physical and your emotional are kind of both broken. You're, you're struggling with some kind of an addiction that you can't seem to deal with and you feel broke going into Christmas. And maybe, like many of us, you, you something's going on and you feel a little broke spiritually. You're going into all this stuff about Jesus and his 
birth and, and you look around and you look at your life and you think, man, spiritually, I don't really feel like I am where I should be. I feel, I feel broke or maybe you've, you've done, you've made a mistake and just all that wraps up in something just very spiritual and real. And it's hard to celebrate the birth of Jesus when all you feel is guilt. Now some of you guys are wishing I was talking about money. <laughs> Our key passage today is a psalm. <laughs> Written by a king. The king's name was David. Maybe you've heard of him. If you haven't, he was actually the, the, one of the kings of Israel, one of the early ones. And we're going to enter into a point in David's story where he was broke. He had messed up. And, you know, and sometimes I like this one because it puts, it puts life into perspective. I'm like, oh, good, I didn't do that. <laughs> and what had happened was David's the king, and the kings had all gone off to war in the area around it. David had stayed home, which he really wasn't supposed to do. And he stayed home, and he was just kind of hanging out at the palace. He looks out a window, and he sees a pretty lady bathing. And he's the king. So he says, I want that lady. Gets her pregnant. Turns out this lady has a husband. And so David, to try to clean up his mess, decides, you know what? This dude, he's, he's a soldier. He's at war. So I'm just going to have my other general put him in a position where he's going to die. Basically, he has this soldier who's the, the husband of this lady. He says, you're going to go attack that wall by yourself and look, and let's see what happens. Well, it turns out he dies. So David writes this psalm as someone who's committed adultery and he's murdered someone. And he thinks he's gotten away with it. Until a prophet of God comes up to him and tells him a little story about sheep, because this was 3,000 so years ago, and a lot of stories about sheep, and talks to King David about how there was a, a man who had tons of sheep, and there was another man who just had one, a poor man, but that sheep was family, and that, 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 that family loved that sheep, and the rich man came and took it. And the other man was heartbroken. And David gets all riled up. He's like, I'm, I'm the king, and this is evil, and I can't believe this person would do that, and we need to do something about it. And the prophet Nathan looks at him and goes, you are that man. David's broke. And then he writes this song. It's very important to have all that content of the song. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But this is at a moment where David is, has realized the extent of his sin and his brokenness. And he writes this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit 
to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. David was broke, a screw up, messed it all up. And in this psalm, we see a shift. Change your Christmas perspective from being broke to being broken. Change it from being broke to being broken. Because you see, in this psalm, we see David repenting. We see him turning away from his broke self and then turning toward God broken. Which is an old, an old word that we use in the church a lot. It's both a word in Hebrew and then later it's turned into Greek in the New Testament. And it's this funny little word called repent. We all love to hear that, right? Repent! You think about a street preacher with a bullhorn? With a sign that you're like, what does that sign say? I can't tell. And all repent means is to turn away from something to turn toward something else. So if I'm going to repent of Dan, I'm going to turn away from Dan to turn towards something else. And that's what David does. He turns away from being broke, and he turns toward being broken. Because you're broke when you let your old self rule. You're, you're, this, the, the word that we use for that in the church often is, is the idea of the flesh. We turn it we, we turn into the flesh rule us. When we're broken is when we get humble and we allow Jesus to take his place as Lord and King and rule our life. Because David, the king, who's an adulterous, prideful murderer, in a moment of repentance shifts and becomes the humble psalmist who's described in scripture as being the man after God's own heart. When you stop being broke and you ask Jesus instead for brokenness, humility, and to turn toward him, that's a prayer that he loves to answer. <coughs> And to give some clarity here, being broken is different and better than just being sad. Because sometimes we hear we are broken, and we associate that with, with maybe a lot of a lot of sadness and crying, and, and, and it's not really what we read in the psalm here when he talks about it. He's saying, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. The broken is that shift from pride to humility before God. 
And it's different and better than just feeling sad about something. And really being broken about God is all about putting yourself into perspective. And I think this is extra important in Advent, heading toward Christmas, because it's very easy to turn this whole season into something selfish. But we want all the attention on us. And Jesus calls us to be broken and to put ourselves into perspective and to realize that the, the true spirit of Advent is the spirit of humility. So there's another king of Israel. We've already talked about David. Another king of Israel named Saul. Saul was the, was the first king. And David would actually come after Saul. And so in these ancient times, Saul was sent out to war. And he was told by, by the prophet Samuel that he needed to go and take out the, this, this opposing tribe that was threatening them. And in a very Old Testament sort of way, uh, he was told to, to go in and kill everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, I know how to sugarcoat it. That's what I say. Like, like right down to like the sheep and the... the everyone. Um, and Saul goes off to war and he, what he does is he just kind of takes out the army and then all the stuff that he was supposed to get rid of he keeps as loot and treasure to, 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 to up his, his, his bling, I guess. I don't know a better way to put that. And so he keeps all his stuff and, and he just kind of wins the fight and then the prophet comes, and this is, when a prophet's coming to you and you're king, obviously it's bad news. Uh, <laughs> and the prophet comes to him and is like, hey, um, all this stuff that's supposed to be dead is most definitely not dead. And Saul looks at him and goes, well, uh, you know, I made a sacrifice to the Lord. I built an altar. We, we killed a goat. That's how it worked in the Old Testament. It doesn't work that way now. And Samuel is mad and hears the voice of the Lord and replies to the king. He says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Because what happens here is that Saul decides that his plan is better than God's plan. God, as it turns out, did not agree. You ever do that? You ever get it in your head that God is smart enough to agree with you? You think, I'm real smart. Obviously what I want is what God wants. And Saul did it. We do it all the times. And the truth is that Saul's broke and he doesn't get it because of his pride. We're broken when we surrender our plans to Jesus' plans. And sometimes we think, as people who are following Jesus, as Christians, that if we're, we feel like we're sacrificing something, 
then we, we can be a little bit disobedient in other places. We look at one area of our life and say, well, you know what, God? Every Sunday, I get up and I go to church. Like I know I'm supposed to. So that part where you tell me to love my neighbor, I don't have to do that. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Maybe you think, you know what, I, I serve in some way, or I give in some way, or I this or this or this, so I don't have to do that. Whenever your mind is doing that, you're broke. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. And today, your sacrifice for Jesus does not work as an excuse for disobedience in whatever area you know that is. Because here's why. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants relationship with you. He wants, and all of that is, is about, hey, how do we find that relationship? And, and how do we obey out of love? Because the truth is, this is kind of a little hidden in this passage, we see it here, we see it throughout Scripture, is that God's delight is found in relationship with Him. And in the context of this, this little section of Scripture, Saul's calls telling them, hey, what does the Lord delight in? Does He delight in that sacrifice, or does He delight in being obeyed? And that obedience comes out of relationship, because true obedience to God isn't out of fear. Obedience to God comes out of love and a right understanding of who He is and a right understanding of, hey, He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at once, and I am a human pea brain. <laughs> so God's plans, man, those are probably better than mine, even if they don't feel like it in the moment. And we see this play out all through Scripture. All through, this is one of the underlying themes of Scripture, is that God has plans and purposes and mission for His people, and His people get it in their heads that we can do it better, or we know better, we screw it up, and then God has to come in and redeem us. Ultimately culminating in Jesus. And the truth of the story is that God is looking for willing hearts to do his will out of love. He delights in that. He delights when his kids love him and listen to him and, and, and respond to what he tells us. And God cares more about you doing what he tells you to do than whatever sacrifice you think you're making that's so important. And when we're broken before him, when we, instead of being broke and just doing whatever we think is right and our pride, instead of we're broken and we're humble, we shift from having an attitude like Saul's to having an attitude like David's. Because here's the crazy thing. Who sounds like the worst person? Saul, 
didn't kill everyone. He's told to go kill everyone and everything. He doesn't. He has mercy on people. I mean, he kind of has mercy for selfish reasons, but he has mercy. And then when it's all said and done, he throws a church service. Yay! <laughs> David sleeps with a guy's wife, hasn't killed so nobody will find out. Who sounds better? Saul kind of does. But at the end of the day, God was pleased by the one who was broken. God was pleased by the one who, when confronted with his mistakes, turned around and went the other direction. Instead of keeping, keeping on that path, on that same path, those same mistakes, he turned around and went back to God. Saul didn't. And as a result, Saul was removed as the king of Israel. So this takes us to Advent. We talk about living in anticipation of Christmas. I think this is all summed up in the idea that Advent reminds us that Jesus was born King and Lord. When we consider being broke versus being broken, it's very important to remember who Jesus is and why he came. And we're going to read a little slice of the Christmas story. The part where the three wise men show up, and it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, or Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed before him and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Instead of this being a season for your broken, it's time to come before the king and be broken. where we know that throughout Christmas what we're doing is instead of making it prideful, instead of making it about us, we're intentionally preparing our hearts to celebrate and to worship Jesus because God came and was one of us. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. And so at Christmas, obedience to Him is better and sacrifice. And if we do the opposite, if we go into this season in our pride and in our broke, and we don't turn those things over to Jesus, we hold on to the, those emotional things that make us broke, those physical things, we dwell, we make those the center of our life, the spiritual things. If we keep those right where they are now, then we get to Christmas, Jesus isn't king. Jesus isn't Lord, because you have built an idol out of the things that are broke in your life. And you have made them God before Jesus.
When we trade being broke for brokenness, we acknowledge that nothing in our lives is king and lord except Jesus. And so today, like the Magi, it's time to bring Jesus some gifts. Ours aren't as nice. I don't have any gold. I have a little. I don't have any frankincense, any myrrh. But I think our gift to Jesus today that he'd be happy with is that thing that where we're broke. Maybe we need to bring to Jesus today is that time where you think he failed you. Maybe it's someone who hurt you. Maybe it's a chronic illness. Maybe it's a mistake you made that you can't fix. Your anger at your parents, or disappointment with your kids, the spouse who left, the pain that won't go away, the church that judged you, your addiction, that time when you were somewhere and it seemed like God spoke to everyone but you, the family member who's gone, or the terrible one who isn't, Today, you need to bring the gift of your broke to Jesus. Tear down that idol and turn around and walk away back to Jesus' arms. So he can be Lord over your life again. Would you pray with me?